Hey everyone, this is Dorenda Wilson. Welcome to my podcast. If you don't know me already, I'm married to Daryl. We have eight kids, ages 12 to 26. We have four grandkids, and we've been homeschooling over 20 years. We have graduated five so far, and we have three left at home. Well, this is my third episode of my podcast. I'm excited to be here. Um, I would love it if you guys would leave a review or rating at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you're listening from. If you're listening from my blog, you would be listening from SoundCloud. I guess what happens when you do that is it moves the podcast up and lets more moms see it who might be searching for something to listen to and something to encourage them. So if you would leave those rates and reviews there, I would love that. And I am taking the names of the people who do that and putting them in a hat and doing a giveaway every week of my book, The Unhurried Homeschooler. It is a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. So this week's winner happens to be Crystal. So Crystal, if you're listening, would you please email me at Dorenda at DorendaWilson.com and send me your address and I will mail you a free copy of my book. Last week, Sarah won and she got a hold of me and Sarah, I'm going to get your book out in the mail this week. <laughs> it's on its way. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, uh, first I want to uh, just share a little bit about what happened this week in my life. Um, you know, I've been sharing that we moved across the country three months ago and that is no small task, transplanting a family from one side of the country to the other. We thought we were only going to take the three kids that are still living at home, but our 18 and 20 year olds decided to come along as well. So they live just around the corner from us and I'm so excited. Our daughter and son-in-law who live in Washington right now, Washington State, are going to move across the country September 19th right here to this little town we're living in. And I'm so excited because they're going to actually move in with us. We have a house that's set up perfectly for that. And I'm just, I cannot wait to get my hands on those grandkids. I miss them so much. And I miss our other little granddaughter in Washington, but we um, try to visit there frequently, or at least I try to fly out frequently. And in October, our daughter and our granddaughter are gonna fly out and see us. So I am super excited about that. But all that to say, lots of big changes. We love where we live. We know that God's called us here and we're happy we're here. But there's a lot of um, sort of undercurrent that goes on when you make a big move like that. And um, I do believe, like I said, that we, we did that in obedience to the Lord and we're glad we did it and we know that he's faithful. But boy, there's some physiological things and just some emotional things that you're, you just can't even really wrap your head around it. It's uh, just something you have to walk through and work through with the Lord. And so I've been in the midst of that. And last week I shared that I had a fair amount of anxiety and this week was no different. In fact, it was um, sometimes a little more intense. But my husband and I decided um, for 30 days, we decided to do this whole 30 thing. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. It was where you just, it's basically an elimination diet where you just basically eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, mainly vegetables and some meat and a little bit of fruit. There's no dairy and lots of other no-nos. So we spent most of the month um, convincing each other that this really was a good idea. <laughs> we made it through and I'm glad we did it, but uh, I don't think I would be too quick to do that again. 
I can uh, share with you other reasons why uh, some other time or place, because that's not what we're here for. But I'm saying all that to say, to celebrate the ending of that, and because we really needed a getaway, my husband and I went overnight to uh, Blowing Rock, North Carolina, which is a wonderful little town. If you ever get a chance to visit, it's just a fun place. But we went there um, just to get away and to have some unhurried time together. And you can see some of the, the pictures on Facebook I shared of the, the Blue Ridge Mountains. And we hiked, we ate out, we talked, and it was really good. And I just want to encourage you to take those moments with your husband. Um, it's so important to nurture our marriages. The enemy is on the prowl and he is wanting to destroy our marriages. And we've got to fight for them. And some of that fighting involves um, taking the time with each other that we need to. And, and some of us can't get away overnight. My husband and I couldn't do that for a long time when we had a lot of little kids at home. But we made a point of having times where we spent just really sharing our hearts with each other. And so this was this was what we were doing. But also it gave me some really great time with the Lord to really pull back and seek his face and, and ask him some questions and just be with him. And one of the things that he showed me was um, that when I pause, you know, we've been talking a lot about hitting that pause button and just sort of inquiring of the Lord and asking him what he wants or, or any time that I'm spending with him, um, he was just reminding me that he doesn't always want something from me. He doesn't want me. I don't necessarily always have to be talking um, and explaining and verbalizing. Sometimes I can just be with him and he's good with that. He, that is what, that is his heart. His heart is good towards us. His heart is towards meeting our needs. And my need this week was just to be quiet before him. And as I did that, I just pictured him just just loving on me, hugging me, holding me, and just not even talking. I, I just I think I just couldn't handle any more words. But when I really sat back and and pictured him doing that, because that's that's his heart towards me, I realized how little I let him comfort me in those moments. And so I just wanted to encourage you to remember that that is God's heart towards us. And last week we talked about. Um, I asked the question, do you believe that God, um, do you believe in God's genuine desire to bless you? And I wonder if you've had a chance to process that and think about that, because really our view of God makes all the difference in the world in our motivations in why we do what we do, why we serve him. And the enemy knows that. And one of his favorite things to do is to distort our view of God. And that's exactly what he did in the garden of Eden. Um, he was convincing Eve that God wasn't good by the questions that he asked, by just casting a, 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 a casting a shadow of doubt over who God was, um, just through the questions that he asked her. And so I think he, I know he does the same thing in our own hearts. So this is why it's so important for us to pull back and to remember who he is and to hit that pause button and slow our hearts for just a little while. And I'm hoping that this podcast not only gives you that that little bit of time every week to do that, but it reminds you throughout the week to continue to do that because it's so important. Um, what you're doing at home matters. Your marriage matters. Your kids matter. The homeschooling matters. And um, so it's so important that we're um, in line and remembering who God is as we're walking out 
this journey alongside of our kids and our husbands. One of the other things that I had to do was to write down the reasons why you homeschool. It's so important to remember why we homeschool. And hopefully you sat down and, and did that and it maybe gave you some clarification um, as we go into this homeschooling year, we need to have our priorities in line and so important to have a, a clear vision of what God is calling us to for our particular family. So one of, um, one of the things that I've been doing is I've been trying to go through my book and my original plan was to go through, you know, two to three chapters at a time because they're short chapters. But it seems that um, with every chapter, God gives me also kind of a devotional for us as moms, for our hearts along the way as well. So as I just sort of briefly go over chapter two, I'll talk about how it actually relates to us as moms. So in chapter two, I talk about why we need to slow down. Now we know that kids are born with a natural love of learning, right? They're all curious and instinctively want to know more about things that interest them. So when we allow them that investigation, their love for learning grows and their desire to take in information is ignited. And I think sometimes we get the two mixed up. We want to input the information thinking that's going to ignite the desire, but the desire has to be there first, the interest, the curiosity. And so that's what we're watching for as homeschooling moms. So our daughter, Jenna, likened it to starting a fire in our wood stove. And if anybody's ever done this, you can totally relate. You carefully lay the fuel to get the fire burning and you lay it a certain way so that oxygen goes underneath it and helps everything you're doing is to encourage that flame to grow. So it starts out small, but we encourage and feed the flame. Sometimes we blow on it. Sometimes we add more fuel a little at a time. And if we add too much of anything all at once, we extinguish the fire. And that's true for learning as well. Learning thrives with gentle encouragement. It is also snuffed out quickly under pressure. So one of the things we want to be very careful of, especially in the early years, is to avoid having education feel like pressure, having learning feel like pressure, because kids will associate that with negative feelings. And what we want is for kids to associate learning with positive feelings, with, with um, something they want to do, something they've had good memories with. So... Um, one of the best ways to do that, at least at our house, has been to keep things simple. And I just want to give you permission to keep things simple. I know that you are bombarded with all kinds of information. It is just absolutely endless. And the truth is, we can't do it all. God has a plan for our family, and kids will learn in the simplest routine, in the simplest environment, where it's not overwhelming for them. And that actually takes courage because I know for me, I see something and I think, oh gosh, that's really cool. And it might be cool, but it really might not be a good fit for my family and for our kids, or at least in this season, or for me as a mom. Um, I think sometimes we, we don't think about that as moms we are created a certain way. We teach a certain way. We have certain bents and we need to homeschool out of those bents instead of trying to be something we're not. I'm not saying we can't grow in some areas, but really we need to remember that God made us uniquely uh, for our kids and our kids for us and to find a groove with that and to be comfortable with that and to trust God 
for the rest, for whatever we think we might not be uh, covering or handling or doing a certain way. So kids are adept at learning on their own, in their own way, if we allow them the space to do so. So one of the best things we can do is to be a student of our child, observing what strikes their interests and their curiosity, and we've got to trust and respect their natural ability to learn. You know, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I remember when my our oldest was um, in maybe first grade, I thought, okay, she's acting like she wants to learn to read. So I got the book, you know, 100 Easy Lessons to Teach Your Child to Read, and we started going through the lessons. And, you know, at first she was really enthusiastic and doing great, and then she just sort of lost steam, and, and it started to become a struggle. And I had told myself when it got to that point that I would lay it down and I would let her go and I would trust that it would happen in the right time. Well, that isn't what I did. <laughs> surprise, surprise. She ended up in tears. I ended up in tears and I realized what I had just done and realized that I was trying to force learning on her and now it wasn't a joy anymore. And that is such a temptation for us as homeschool moms. But the interesting thing is that once kids are interested in something, they can learn so much so quickly. And our job is just to notice when that moment is and seize it, not try to force it on them. So it reminds me of a word picture that I referenced many times over the years. So, so let's just say you want to dig post holes in Alaska, right? You have two choices. You can trudge outside every day in winter and slowly chink, chink, chink away at the snow and ice, or you can wait for the spring thaw and get the whole dug in a fraction of the time. And it's the same thing with kids. They have to be developmentally ready for what we're, they're trying to learn. And far too many standards for testing and that type of thing are not age appropriate. Children are expected to know more and more at younger and younger ages, which unnecessarily sets them up for failure because their little brains just simply aren't developed enough for so many of these concepts. It doesn't mean they never will be. It just means they're not right now. So if you had a three-month-old, you would never force that three-month-old to walk. You know that developmentally their body isn't ready for it yet. And when they're ready for it, you'll know. The same is true with education. Each child is unique and has an individual clock for learning. So that kind of sums up the second chapter. And I want to talk a little bit about how this relates to us as moms. Because, as I told you before, well, I've been homeschooling my kids um, and discipling them. God has been discipling me for over for the last 26 years. And he's set such an, a good example of patience, of not being in a hurry. I have not always followed that example, not going to lie. Um, but I've always regretted it when I didn't. So Jesus is discipling us as we're discipling our kids. And what one of the things that Jesus um, said in regards to him discipling us was found in Matthew. And I want to read it out of the um, Message Bible because I love the way this is worded. So this is what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine to 30. He said, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wow. 
Can you say that you're living freely and lightly in the areas of your life, in, in your homeschooling your kids and in your parenting? Because Jesus is saying anything heavy or ill-fitting is not something he's put on you. Now, granted, we, most of us are homeschooling because it's a conviction, right? And at times, there's a heaviness that comes with homeschooling. That does not mean that homeschooling is the ill-fitting burden. My guess is it's something we're trying to do that we shouldn't be trying to do that is ill-fitting and heavy. And when you find yourself in that place, again, it is the time to stop and reevaluate and ask God what he really has for you because clearly Jesus is saying that the ill-fitting burden and that heaviness is not what he has for you. And so when you start to feel that, that's your red flag to stop and ask him uh, what it is he wants and what he might want to change. So God is discipling us as we're discipling our kids. And I want to read to you from Psalm 62. I was reading this this week um, and thinking about how, as God's discipling us through these years with our kids, the enemy is also right there beside us, ready to discourage us. Not ready to. He is discouraging us. He throws, he casts those shadows of doubt on who God is and that God has um something good in mind for our family, even if it doesn't look like what everybody else is doing, right? He wants to cast a shadow of doubt on that. He wants to cast a shadow of doubt on our ability to hear from the Lord. He wants to cast a shadow of doubt on whether or not we can teach our kids or whether or not we can resource and source out the things that our kids need. And he's a liar and the father of lies, and we have to remember that. So as I'm reading through this psalm, I want you to be thinking about those thoughts that the enemy wants to, to destroy you with. And remember, and remember that he is the enemy and that those thoughts are from him. So here's, here's what David has to say. He says, I wait quietly before the Lord, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation my fortress where I will never be shaken. So many enemies come against one man, we could say against one mom, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. That's who you are in Christ. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but they curse me in their hearts. Let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord. For my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Do you hear what he's saying here? He's saying we've got to keep our eyes set on God. We need to keep our faces pointed towards him, looking to him, trusting in him at all times, even when those lies are trying to come in and destroy what God is doing. We have the victory because of what Jesus did. We have power over the enemy. And Isaiah talks about how when at the end of time, when, when the enemy, Satan, comes before God and we're all watching, we're going to look at him and we're going to say, that's it. That's who you are. You're the one who wreaked so much havoc. 
because the truth is he has no power. He wants to convince you otherwise. But the truth is Jesus gained the victory for us in his death and resurrection. Never forget that every day of your life is a day that is redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Your family is redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Every situation and circumstance in your life is redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Do not forget that. You're in a battle for your children's souls, for your own soul, and for your husband's. Here's the thing. You're going to have to fight for your marriage. You're going to have to fight for your kids. And you can totally do this because God is on your side. He is your rock. He is your refuge where no enemy can reach you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that encouraging? God has good things for us. The thing that also I want to remind you of is that as we grow over these years and God disciples us along the way, our instincts begin to grow um, and we begin to know more quickly what God has for us and what he doesn't have for us. And we know more quickly. So here's the thing. Um, I'm going to talk about this in the next chapter about our uh, instincts and how they grow over time. But you need to be patient with yourself and remember that God is patient with you and you don't have to be the perfect parent to parent well, to, to walk in obedience to God and what he has for your kids. You don't have to be the perfect parent and you don't have to know everything. You just need to be connected with the one who created you and the one who created your children. So our enemy pales in comparison to our God. Never, ever forget that. One of the biggest enemies of our souls is hurry. Now I can testify that this is true because I love my checklist. I love getting things done. I love being productive. And sometimes when I've turned around and looked at the carnage that I have left behind because I have been a hurricane instead of a gentle breeze, <laughs> yeah, that that's that's something I'm not proud of. In fact, um, that's a that's a quote that I, I shared today on um, on Facebook. Could we be running past the work that God is giving us because we have a unhurried or we have a hurried, narrow version of what we're supposed to be doing? Now, again, that's the enemy imposing that ill-fitting burden on us. Okay, so does my pace feel like a gentle breeze or is it more like a hurricane? Well, I can tell you from experience, mine has been often more like a hurricane. But let's talk a little bit about what um, what love is because love is not hurried. So I want to encourage you in this because we talked about this last week about how love needs to cover everything. As we're homeschooling our kids, yes, we want to give them a good education, but what should be covering all of it is love. Love doesn't push past hard places. So sometimes we're in the middle of schoolwork or we're trying to get stuff done and our kids start bickering or there's there are things that come up, character issues, and they're hard to stop and deal with. But love doesn't push past that. Love will stop and deal with it as the Lord leads. Love is willing to waste time and be inefficient. Okay, that one really rubs me the wrong way, but it's so true. When I have slowed my heart and taken the time to focus in on what God is really wanting to do in a moment with my kids, 
it, there is so much peace that comes with that, and it's way more peace than comes with getting my checklist done. We have to remember that God walks slowly. One of the things that I want to share here is um, this quote, the speed of love is an organic speed, not a mechanical or technological speed. When it comes to machines and technology, faster is always better. When it comes to love, the same is not true. After all, love has a rather constant speed. It is a slow speed, a spiritual speed. Hurry up and love someone just doesn't work. But sometimes don't we feel like this? Jesus is too slow. We want to run before him. The way of Jesus is just too slow and inefficient and painful. Jesus's resourcefulness is love. Ours tends to be a lot of other things, material things. We want Jesus to step it up, to make things happen at our pace rather than slowing down our pace to match his. Yet his is a pace of caring and concern, not an arbitrary pace of productivity or so-called efficiency. I want to stop here and remind you that we live in God's economy. And what I mean by that is the things that the world calls foolish is actually wisdom to God. And this is one of those things. We think we know what's efficient, and yet God is telling us something else. In his kingdom and in his economy, slowing down our pace to care for someone is always going to be a blessing. God is always going to bless it. I love that. And how many times do our kids slow us down and need us or our husbands slow us down? And I'm telling you, I am the worst at this. But God is teaching me right along while I'm learning this and reading these things and sharing these things with you. I am walking them out myself and learning just how hurried I tend to be. So when you think about these needs of these people that come along, it could be a friend, it could be, um, you know, our husbands, it could be our children. Um, the needy person along the way is an inconvenience and an interruption. I may complain that loving everyone in the world is impossible, but that's not what Jesus commanded. Um, what he directs us to do is to care for the person who is actually crossing our path. Proximity provides an opportunity to love. Now, we know our kids are in proximity to us all the time, so we have lots and lots and lots of chances to love. Love stops when it encounters human need. Hurry glances, love gazes, and often stays and acts. Love is willing to slow down long enough to bear the cost of caring. <laughs> wow, that's convicting. Love requires from us a more unhurried approach to life. Relationships grow best in unhurried times. Isn't that true? When we take that time to stop and just be with our kids. The other day, I just let myself forget about whatever it is I was doing. I can't even remember what it was. And I ended up walking outside with our daughter and we walked out into this huge backyard that we have and we talked about all kinds of things. And as we were doing that, I realized this this is where it's at. This is what God wants me to be doing. Now, obviously, as homeschooling moms, we have to have a plan. Clearly, God says we make our plans, but he directs our steps. So are we living that twofold plan? We make the plan, 
but we also remember if God is obviously diverting us from the plan, are we willing to walk in obedience to that? That's the real question. So um, one of the best Bible studies I ever did, well, it was actually um, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And the truth is we went over a lot of things, but my big takeaway from that and I, my my view on books and Bible studies is if you walk away with one takeaway that you keep with you and continue to use, it is worth the time that you put into it. So this particular Bible study I did when I was pregnant with our sixth, who is now about to turn 17. So I've been walking with this thought for all these years, and it has been such a great reminder to me. And what it is, is remembering to look around and to look for where God's working and then to join in with what he's doing. So to, to be conscious of that as moms and homeschooling moms, as we're, as we're stepping back every now and then and looking around and going, okay, Lord, what are you doing in our kids' lives? Because God is always working. Like I told you before, he is a God of blessing. He is a God who multiplies. He is not a God who subtracts and takes away. He's about blessing, and he has a genuine desire to bless us. So he's always working in our hearts and in our kids' hearts. And so we need to be watching for what he's doing and join him in that. Now, one of the things that I tend to do that is very discouraging is, is when I'm looking, I seem to be looking for his absence and not his presence. Pastor said that once in a sermon. That was my takeaway from the sermon that I've carried with me for over 20 years. Look for God's presence, not his absence. So where is God working? It's easy to, to, to see the gaps where we think he's not there. Although he is because he said he would never leave us nor forsake us. We do tend to look at those places because that's where the enemy wants us. He wants us to be looking at that instead of looking for his presence. When we see his presence and we see what he's doing, we start to see this continuity and we see him connecting the dots throughout the day. And the days are more fulfilling and so much more peaceful. Um, not like a hurricane, but instead like a gentle breeze. So I ask again the question, could we be running past the work that God is giving us because we have a hurried, narrow version or vision of what we think we're supposed to be doing? So does our pace feel like a gentle breeze or is it more like a hurricane? So let's remember that God is discipling us while, we're, while we are discipling our children. And one of the best um, passages that this that best describes how he disciples us is how he shepherds us in psalm 23. i memorized this psalm when i was a, about four years old my mom had me memorize it in the king james version because that was about the only version that was available back in the day and um this i love reading it out of the new living translation but i will say that um Memorizing this is a really good idea. I am so thankful I have had that in my head and heart all these years because I've gone back to it so many times when I didn't have a Bible in front of me. We didn't have phones that we could look stuff up, but I had to just simply go from memory. And it was so stamped in my memory that I never forgot it. And it was such a comfort in so many different times when I needed to remember who God was and that he was there and that he was shepherding me and he was right there beside me. 
So I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to picture God discipling you as you disciple your children. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close to me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Don't you just love that? What a picture of God loving us and walking alongside of us. And it reminds me of what I told you earlier when I was picturing the Lord just loving on me and just bringing comfort to me and leading me beside a quiet water. In fact, this was the scripture that I was referencing in my mind as I was just enjoying his presence and trying to think about who he really was instead of who I, instead of who I felt like he was because I was feeling all this pressure and this anxiety and, and that wasn't God. That was an ill-fitting burden that I put on myself or the enemy had put on me, whatever. It didn't matter where it was coming from. It wasn't from God. And that was the point. So as I, I was going through the scripture in my mind, as I was just enjoying the Lord's presence and remembering who he was, I just could feel his loving care. And that is who he is. And that is how he is discipling you and shepherding you and walking alongside you. And if you're feeling anything else, that is not him. I just want to encourage you to remember that. A missionary once said this. Um, he said, I must learn a continuous, silent conversation of heart to heart with God while looking into the eyes and while looking into other eyes and listening to other voices. Doesn't that describe our life as moms? We can be having this ongoing silent conversation with God, a heart to heart with him while looking into our children's eyes and our husband's eyes and listening to their voices. And I think that's just such an encouragement that we can continuously have this heart to heart with God throughout the day. Sometimes it means while we're folding laundry, we remind ourselves of who he is and we start to have that heart to heart with him in, a, you know, as we're sort of withdrawn, but busy doing the things that we need to do. And so it's important that we're not making things happen necessarily, but we're receiving whatever happening God wants to bring our way. And that's the heart of, of having an unhurried heart at home. Well, today I want to ask you um, a challenge question. The question is, what feels ill-fitting to you right now? What feels heavy to you in your homeschooling, in your life in general? If you could just take some time to withdraw and be with the Lord and let him show you anything that might be ill-fitting, because if it is, it's not from him. Also, I want to ask you, how could you simplify? We talked about how it, that it's okay to keep things simple. Ask the Lord to show you maybe how you could simplify even more. Um, sometimes we think we've simplified and maybe we have, but other things have come in and started to steal that time 
and complicate things. So I just want to encourage you to be thinking this week about how you could simplify. And I just want to pray with you right now. Pray over your families, your marriages. God is good and he loves you, mom. He is walking right beside you. His presence never leaves you nor forsakes you. Never, ever forget that. Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you that your presence is constant, even if we don't feel it. Thank you that we can walk in obedience to you, even when we don't feel your presence, God, that you bless us for walking in obedience in spite of it, Lord. But God, I ask that you would pour out an extra measure of feeling, Lord. We as women, we need those feelings sometimes, and you know that, God. You know who we are. You created us this way. I ask that you would just pour out an extra measure to each and every mom that's listening, that she would feel your presence, literally feel your presence regularly over this next week. God, I pray that you would help us to remember and be mindful of the amazing calling that you've given us, Lord. You have called us to a mission, and it's a mission at home. God, help us to be faithful to fulfill that mission. Father, help us to remember that there is purpose in everything that we do, Lord, that even the things, there's so many things that others don't see us do that we don't get accolades or thanks for, and it seems that nobody notices, God, but you do. Thank you, God. I ask that you would just bless these women for all the things that they do that nobody notices, and I ask that you would um, multiply their efforts, Lord, as they plant seeds in their children's hearts and work every day, Lord, um, in their families, Lord, to bring you honor and glory. Father, I pray that you would bless it beyond measure and that you would help us to be able to see your presence and not your absence, God, that we would be able to see where you're working and that we would join in on what it is you're doing, Father. Help us to recognize it. Give us eyes to see. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, God. Thank you for these children you blessed us with, for husbands, Lord, for our friends, for our churches, God, for the blessings, the many blessings that you've poured out on us, Lord. May we ponder those and be thankful for those today. Lord, we love you and we worship you and we thank you for being such a good God. In Jesus' name, amen.